Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series two, episode 323 of this daily study podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue with our study of November the 16th to November the 22nd, covering either 6 to 11, that evil may be done away. And uh, we're going to uh, begin with the section today titled, The Lord Blesses Me When I Am Humble. In Ether chapter 6, verses 5 to 18 and verse 30. So we, we return to the Jaredites as they um, enter the land, their promised land. And uh, there is great humility there because obviously of the great experience that we've just described yesterday. They just passed through this great tribulation, this great trial through the depths of the sea. And they have come back out in the promised land. And so therefore... There's a lot of humility before the Lord. In verse 12, it says, And they did land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land and did humble themselves before the Lord and had shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. We need to recognize the uh, the tender mercies of the Lord in our lives. We need to recognize the times that he has blessed us, the times where he has guided us, the times where he has placed his tender mercies over us so that we can be guided and feel the comforts that he that he provides as well. It is something which we ought to pray for every day. He he is his hand is in your life every day if you look carefully. Um, and if you don't see that, then maybe pray for the eyes to see, uh, because he truly is. It is a great blessing from the Lord and to to receive these tender mercies, and he is wanting to bless us with them. Uh, and so you know, in your daily prayers, you know, as the Jaredites did. Seek for the opportunity to ask to see them um, and, and you will start to begin to see them and it'll help you keep us humble. For I guess that's one of the things that is the issue with the, the Nephite pride cycle, cycle and what we're going to talk about in a minute with the Jaredites is they forget to see the tender mercies of the Lord. They see it as their own strength. Uh, and I suppose that's one thing that can help us to avoid this pride cycle. In verse 13, it also says, And it came to pass that they went forth upon the face of the land and began to till the earth. A seemingly innocuous verse there, a seemingly unnecessary verse to just tell us that they began to till the earth. However, uh, John S. Thompson said this, quote, Tilling the ground seems like a, such an ordinary thing to do. Why then would one waste time and space writing about such things? Such an apparently superfluous piece of information becomes more meaningful when we realise that tilling the earth had symbolic significance among various ancient societies. Mauricia Iliad has noticed in his studies in, of ancient cultures and religions that rites are performed that symbolically repeat the act of creation. Thus, tilling the ground may symbolise the act of creation to the author or editor of the Jaredite record and therefore warrants inclusion. Close quote. It almost um, symbolises a new beginning, a fresh start, a new creation of this promised land uh, for these Jaredites. And so the fact that they began to live there and began to till the ground is an important moment uh, for this group of people. Um, and in verse 17, we see that it says, and they were taught to walk humbly before the Lord, and they were also taught from on high. Now, this is referring to the sons of Jared and the sons of brother of, Jared, of, of the brother of Jared. Sorry, not the sons, the children of Jared and the children of the brother of Jared. And also the, the friends of the Jared and his brother were, were about 20, 22 souls. Um, and they had sons and daughters as well. Now, what's interesting with this is that they were taught to walk humbly, but they were also taught from on high. Um, 
Obviously, we don't have much insight into what this actually means. Was that, you know, the brother of Jared taught them to teach some of the teachings that the Saviour had taught him uh, from on high, maybe. Uh, were they taught, you know, from on high in the sense of a, a temple? So an endowment, obviously, you receive power and um, information from on high. It is that reference to perhaps temple ordinances uh, amongst the brother of Jared and his people? Or uh, is it literally that they were taught from on high that, that the Lord spoke to the people uh, and taught them? It isn't made clear, uh, but what is clear is that these people were humble. These people listened and they were taking on board the things that were being taught. And yet, despite being humble and despite being taught all these things, in verse 22, uh, when the brother of Jared and, and Jared, as they began to, be, to become older, um, asked the people what they wanted of them, uh, in verse uh, 22, it says, And it came to pass that the people desired of them that they should anoint one of their sons to be a king over them. Now, um, does this suggest perhaps that having a king in itself is not inherently bad? Uh, well, probably, I think. And when we think, we obviously this helps us think back to Mosiah when he was in a government of where there was a king and then he removed a king. Um, he made reference to the fact that, you know, if you have a good king to lead you, then it's great. Having, having a king is, is a good thing. But you can't guarantee that this king will lead you in righteousness. They have all the power and in the wrong hands, that is obviously a very bad thing to have. And it can also lead to tensions and bad acts so that someone can get all the power. Um, and in verse 23, it says, And now behold, this was grievous unto them. Now, this this use of the pronoun them, to me, suggests that it's not just the brother of Jared that didn't want this, but also Jared himself. It says, though, And the brother of Jared said unto them, Surely this thing leadeth into captivity. But Jared said unto his brother, Suffer them that they may have a king. And therefore he said unto them, Choose ye out from among our sons a king, even whom ye will. So obviously this seems to be a little bit of a disappointment and um, sadness from the Jared, the brother of Jared and Jared himself. But Jared says, you know, well, it's your choice and, you know, just let them choose. Let them choose a king out of who they will. Now, what is fascinating here is that they do choose someone, uh, but this person refuses um, and his father, who was the brother of Jared of, of Pagag, would uh, would not such a good name. Pagag uh, would not constrain Pagag to become the king, and so he would not be the king. Um, they chose all the brothers of Pagag, and they wouldn't. So you can see there that the brother of Jared's sons, you know, utterly refuse. Um, and then in verse twenty seven, none of the sons of Jared would do it either, except for one, which is Orihah. So Orihah is anointed king of the people. Um, and then in verses 28 to 30, just to finish chapter 6 off, we read this. And he began to reign, and the people began to prosper, and they became exceedingly rich. And it came to pass that Jared died, and his brother also. And it came to pass that Orihah did walk humbly before the Lord, and did remember how great things the Lord had done for his father, and also taught his people about how taught his people how great the Lord had done for their fathers. Now, again, it's not made specifically clear um, whether the sons of Jared and the sons of the brother of Jared uh, were alive at this stage. I think, um, well, it says the brother of Jared begat sons and daughters, but 
it doesn't make it clear whether they were begat before or after the journey. And especially for the sons of Jared, it's not made clear whether they were they were begat before or after this journey. But from this language here, talking about the great things that the Lord had done for his father, it suggests that he wasn't born during this journey. So these people, or at least, or I have, perhaps doesn't have much of a knowledge or a memory of the great crossing and the great journey of the Jaredite people to this promised land. But what he does have, and this is a great example, is a clear respect and reverence and remembrance for what the Lord had done for his fathers, um, for his father. It's just like, you know, uh, with Helaman uh, talking to his son, sons, or the se- Helaman the second, talking to his sons Nephi and Lehi um, about you know, how they were named after the forefathers of their people. And so in that case, they ought to remember the great things the Lord had done for them. Orihar does this. He remembers the great things that the, Lord, that the Lord has done for his father that he has been taught. But as we move into the following chapters, we see that this will not be the case. Uh, and in fact, we're going to have decades of, well, not decades of, more than decades, but what I mean is more, tens and tens of uh, generations where we kind of flip between the two. And so we'll see uh, what happens with that. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please do continue uh, following the podcast on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. It'd be great to see more people sharing their thoughts on what, what they studied there. And you can also email session at gmail.com if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for your time. And until we meet again. <laughs>